Chapter 2 of Three More John Silence Stories by Algernon Blackwood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Eduardo. When Harris came to himself, he felt cold. He was lying under the open sky, and the cool air of field and forest was blowing upon his face. He sat up and looked about him. The memory of the late scene was still horribly in his mind, but no vestige of it remained. No walls or ceiling enclosed him. He was no longer in a room at all. There were no lamps turned low, no cigar smoke, no black forms of sinister worshippers, no tremendous gray figure hovering beyond the windows. Open space was about him, and he was lying on a pile of bricks and mortar, his clothes soaked with dew, and the kind stars shining brightly overhead. He was lying, bruised and shaken, among the heaped-up debris of a ruined building. He stood up and stared about him. There, in the shadowy distance, lay the surrounding forest, and here, close at hand, stood the outline of the village buildings. But, underfoot, beyond question, lay nothing but the broken heaps of stones that betokened a building long since crumbled to dust. Then he saw that the stones were blackened, and that great wooden beams, half-burnt, half-rotten, made lines through the general debris. He stood then, among the ruins of a burnt and shattered building, the weeds and nettles proving conclusively that it had lain thus for many years. The moon had already set behind the encircling forest, but the stars that spangled the heavens threw enough light to enable him to make quite sure of what he saw. Harris, the silk merchant, stood among these broken and burnt stones and shivered. Then he suddenly became aware that out of the gloom a figure had risen and stood beside him. Peering at him, he thought he recognized the face of the stranger at the railway inn. "'Are you real?' he asked in a voice he hardly recognized as his own. "'More than real. I'm friendly,' replied the stranger. "'I followed you up here from the inn.' Harris stood and stared for several minutes without adding anything. His teeth chattered. The least sound made him start, but the simple words in his own language, and the tone in which they were uttered, comforted him inconceivably. "'You're English too, thank God,' he said inconsequently. "'These German devils!' He broke off and put a hand to his eyes. "'But what's become of them all, and the room, and—and—' The hand traveled down to his throat and moved nervously round his neck. He drew a long, long breath of relief. Did I dream everything? Everything? He said distractedly. He stared wildly about him, and the stranger moved forward and took his arm. Come, he said soothingly, yet with a trace of command in the voice. We will move away from here. The high road, or even the woods, will be more to your taste, for we are standing now on one of the most haunted, and most terribly haunted, spots of the whole world. He guided his companion's stumbling footsteps over the broken masonry until they reached the path, the nettles stinging their hands, and Harris feeling his way like a man in a dream. Passing through the twisted iron railing, they reached the path, and thence made their way to the road, shining white in the night. Once safely out of the ruins, Harris collected himself and turned to look back. But how is it possible? he exclaimed, his voice still shaking. How can it be possible? When I came in here, I saw the building in the moonlight. They opened the door. I saw the figures and heard the voices and touched, yes, touched their very hands, and saw their damned black faces, saw them far more plainly than I see you now. 
he was deeply bewildered. The glamour was still upon his eyes with a degree of reality stronger than the reality even of normal life. Was I so utterly deluded? Then suddenly the words of the stranger, which he had only half heard or understood, returned to him. Haunted, he asked, looking hard at him. Haunted, did you say? He paused in the roadway and stared into the darkness where the building of the old school had first appeared to him. But the stranger hurried him forward. We shall talk more safely farther on, he said. I followed you from the inn the moment I realized where you had gone. When I found you, it was eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock, said Harris, remembering with a shudder. I saw you drop. I watched over you till you recovered consciousness of your own accord. And now, now I am here to guide you safely back to the inn. I have broken the spell, the glamour. I owe you a great deal, sir interrupted Harris again, beginning to understand something of the stranger's kindness. But I don't understand it at all. His teeth still chattered, and spells of violent shivering passed over him from head to foot. He found that he was clinging to the other's arm. In this way they passed beyond the deserted and crumbling village and gained the high road that led homewards through the forest. That school building has long been in ruins, said the man at his side presently. It was burned down by order of the elders of the community at least ten years ago, the village has been uninhabited ever since but the simulacre of certain ghastly events that took place under that roof in past days still continue and the shells of the chief participants still enact there the dreadful deeds that led to its self-destruction and to the desertion of the whole settlement they were devil worshippers harris listened with beads of perspiration on his forehead that did not come alone from their leisurely pace through the cool night although he had seen this man but once before in his life and had never before exchanged so much as a word with him, he felt a degree of confidence and a subtle sense of safety and well-being in his presence that were the most healing influences he could possibly have wished after the experience he had been through. For all that, he still felt as if he were walking in a dream, and though he heard every word that fell from his companion's lips, it was only the next day that the full import of all he said became fully clear to him. The presence of this quiet stranger, the man with the wonderful eyes, which he felt now, rather than saw, applied a soothing anodyne to his shattered spirit that healed him through and through. And this healing influence, distilled from the dark figure at his side, satisfied his first imperative need, so that he almost forgot to realize how strange and opportune it was that the man should be there at all. It somehow never occurred to him to ask his name, or to feel any undue wonder that one passing tourist should take so much trouble on behalf of another. He just walked by his side, listening to his quiet words, and allowing himself to enjoy the very wonderful experience after his recent ordeal of being helped, strengthened, blessed. Only once, remembering vaguely something of his reading of years ago, he turned to the man beside him, after some more than usually remarkable words, and heard himself, almost involuntarily it seemed, putting the question, Then you are a Rosicrucian, sir, perhaps? But the stranger had ignored the words, or possibly not heard them, for he continued with his talk as though unconscious of any interruption, and Harris became aware that another somewhat unusual picture had taken possession of his mind, as they walked there side by side through the cool reaches of the forest, and that he had found his imagination suddenly charged with the childhood memory of Jacob wrestling with an angel, wrestling all night with a being of superior quality whose strength eventually became his own. It was your abrupt conversation with the priest at supper that first put me upon the track of this remarkable occurrence. He heard the man's quiet voice beside him in the darkness, 
and it was from him i learned after you left the story of the devil worship that became secretly established in the heart of this simple and devout little community devil worship here harris stammered aghast yes here conducted secretly for years by a group of brothers before unexplained disappearances in the neighborhood led to its discovery for where could they have found a safer place in the whole wide world for their ghastly traffic and perverted powers than here in the very precincts under cover of the very shadow of saintliness and holy living awful awful whispered the silk merchant and when i tell you the words they used to me i know it all the stranger said quietly i saw and heard everything my first plan was to wait till the end and then to take steps for their destruction but in the interest of your personal safety he spoke with the utmost gravity and conviction in the interest of the safety of your soul i made my presence known when i did and before the conclusion had been reached my safety the danger then was real they were alive and words failed him he stopped in the road and turned towards his companion the shining of whose eyes he could just make out in the gloom it was a concourse of the shells of violent men spiritually developed but evil men seeking after death the death of the body to prolong their vile and unnatural existence and had they accomplished their object you in turn at the death of your body would have passed into their power and helped to swell their dreadful purposes harris made no reply he was trying hard to concentrate his mind upon the sweet and common things of life he even thought of silk and st paul's churchyard and the faces of his partners in business for you came all prepared to be caught he heard the other's voice like someone talking to him from a distance. Your deeply introspective mood had already reconstructed the past so vividly, so intensely, that you were en rapport at once with any forces of those days that chanced still to be lingering, and they swept you up all unresistingly. Harris tightened his hold upon the stranger's arm as he heard. At the moment he had room for one emotion only. It did not seem to him odd that this stranger should have such intimate knowledge of his mind. It is, alas, chiefly the evil emotions that are able to leave their photographs upon surrounding scenes and objects, the other added, and whoever heard of a place haunted by a noble deed, or of beautiful and lovely ghosts revisiting the glimpses of the moon? It is unfortunate, but the wicked passions of men's hearts alone seem strong enough to leave pictures that persist. The good are ever too lukewarm. The stranger sighed as he spoke, but Harris, exhausted and shaken as he was to the very core paced by his side only half listening he moved as in a dream still it was very wonderful to him this walk home under the stars in the early hours of the october morning the peaceful forest all about them mist rising here and there over the small clearings and the sound of water from a hundred little invisible streams filling in the pauses of the talk in after life he always looked back to it as something magical and impossible something that had seemed too beautiful too curiously beautiful to have been quite true and though at the time he heard and understood but a quarter of what the stranger said it came back to him afterwards staying with him till the end of his days and always with a curious haunting sense of unreality as though he had enjoyed a wonderful dream of which he could recall only faint and exquisite portions but the horror of the earlier experience was effectually dispelled and when they reached the railway inn somewhere about three o'clock in the morning harris shook the stranger's hand gratefully effusively meeting the look of those rather wonderful eyes with a full heart 
and went up to his room thinking in a hazy dreamlike way of the words with which the stranger had brought their conversation to an end as they left the confines of the forest and if thought and emotion can persist in this way so long after the brain that sent them forth has crumbled into dust how vitally important it must be to control their very birth in the heart and guard them with the keenest possible restraint but harris the silk merchant slept better than might have been expected and with a soundness that carried him halfway through the day and when he came downstairs and learned that the stranger had already taken his departure he realized with keen regret that he had never once thought of asking his name yes he signed the visitor's book said the girl in reply to his question and he turned over the blotted pages and found there the last entry in a very delicate and individual handwriting john silence london End of chapter 2. Recording by Eduardo.